Now, the Riverdale Carnival presents the Archie. Archie Fuzz. Okay, everybody, here we go with our new hit record, Sugar, Sugar. Five feet apart, are you in? I wanted to introduce myself. I'm Will Newman. Six feet apart at all times, you both know the rules. Let me guess, you're the kind of guy that ignores the rules because it makes you feel in control. Am I right? You're not wrong. You think that's cute? Do you think it's cute? There's no room in war for feelings. Hello, world. My lung function is down to 35% now. People with cystic fibrosis aren't supposed to get within six feet because we could end up catching each other's bacteria. Nothing's going to save our lives, Stella. We're breathing borrowed air. No, I refuse to believe that. Hello and welcome to the podcast formerly known as Archie Fucks, now known as Milkshakes and Mimosas, because gotta get that SEO. This is going to be our second episode, and uh, we're actually joined by a very special guest, uh, a writer for Pajiba, Tori Preston. Hello! Uh, yes, thank you for joining us, thank you for joining us. Andrew, From- I'm so glad you know how to pronounce that website. I've been reading it for like eight years, and I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> you did it great! That was exactly right! Oh, and now we're a new podcast because we just got the exactly right uh, tag on there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, would you like to introduce yourself, Tori, and uh, explain kind of what you do? Um, yeah, I'm a deputy uh, deputy editor with Pajiba. I do movie and TV reviews and some uh, pop culture musings and i do an advice column too which is a lot of fun um because i really am unqualified to do that (laughs) art i think that's the secret of advice columns is that really nobody's qualified to give advice and that's why everyone loves them i know it's like i mean i could be a therapist but i'm not major and I think you've done a hundred percent of uh, Pajiba, as I insist on pronouncing its wine reviews. And yeah, that, uh, in that there time. is only one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was one where I literally I was in the grocery store <laughs> texting my bosses, being like, uh, "I found caffeinated wine. Uh, if I buy it, is it a tax write-off if I review it?" And they were like, "Yes." <laughs> I was like, "Done." <laughs> Oh, that is that is brilliant. I need to start doing. Unfortunately, the subsequent bottles I couldn't use as a tax write-off because I was no longer <laughs> reviewing them. I was just addicted. How okay? How is caffeinated wine? Did you enjoy it? I loved it. It was infused with like cold brew coffee. Oh and my I, god! And I'm not saying it was like tr- good in any traditional sense. <laughs> But I have very trashy tastes, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> I I think that like just makes you a writer, right? Like you have just like you have gotten the prime writing fuel because yeah. some people do it while they're drunk, some people do it while they're caffeinated. Why not do both? Bam, you're a better writer than everyone. I choose, and I also realized as I was looking at the photos that I took to like illustrate the article, I was like, it's clearly daylight out. I'm clearly just. <laughs> It's, you know, mid-afternoon. I'm just going to pop open this, like, disgusting wine and drink it. <laughs> so does it- Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 
And uh, today, we've brought you on to talk about the movie Five Feet Apart. Yes. Which is a title that I will forget as soon as this podcast ends, because it's the most generic title I think I've ever heard. Yeah, I forgot to review it at first, because I forgot that title was a movie, and then forgot to buy a ticket and go see it, and then (laughs) remembered after opening weekend, it was like, oh shit, <laughs> I gotta watch that. Yeah, <laughs> My exactly. boss couldn't even hold it against me because he was like, yeah, I forgot it existed too. I've had to watch the trailer every time the title comes up because I can't remember what that movie's about. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we're talking about it on this podcast because it does star Cole Sprouse. And I was listening to another podcast and they briefly mentioned this and they're like, yeah, Cole Sprouse, he just looks like Jughead. He just looks exactly like his character Jughead. And I was like, okay, I guess this is Jughead and he is, uh, is it cystic fibrosis? Is that what the, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. And I guess I never watched the trailers too, uh, succinctly because it starred, the co-star is Ailey, Haley Lou Richardson. And from the trailers, I thought it was the Bates Motel actress. Uh, let me pull her up because I went into the movie from the trailers and the poster. I thought it was the lady from game of Thrones who was in Terminator Genesis. Like I was convinced it was her. So while I was watching it, I, I, she looks just like Amelia Clark. Yes. She really does like American (laughs) Amelia Clark. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's okay. So now we know someone who can do, uh, American accents. Sorry, Amelia Clark. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, this Olivia, is, this is Olivia Thor, Cook by the way. I realized who... we're only on episode two, and I didn't actually introduce myself. So. Uh... Oh yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll I'll pitch you there in a second there. But Olivia Cook is the actress I thought uh, was playing it, Be- and I, that would have been especially weird because on Bates Motel she does play a character with cystic fibrosis, oh. but like that show actually deals with it very well. Like right. the, the, the rest of the show is uh, there's some iffy parts of Bates Motel. <laughs> Let's not, let's not overpraise that show. But her character is, is, is done quite, quite well. Wait, what uh, did you think wasn't tastefully handled about the, like, bondage Asian kidnapping plots from season one? Oh, from season one? Have you seen past season one? <laughs> no, I got everything I needed to out of that show from season one. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, much like Riverdale, they're incest babies. Oh, babies. oh uh, wait, there's incest in Riverdale? <laughs> oh well okay it's it is it is there are incest babies but they're like cousin babies right like i think they're like they didn't know they were related and then they had the babies and now the babies have magical powers and there's a cult around them there's actual okay. that's not a joke none of that was a joke by the way none of that was a joke i it's... cannot make up riverdale plot lines because yeah. uh, they would be too normal my craziest <laughs> dreams would not match a riverdale plot line uh, it's still up in the air whether it's real magic or whether it's just a cult, but it's it's very confusing. We yes. saw the babies fly. The babies <laughs> flew in the first episode. I don't know how you can think that's not real unless characters were hallucinating. <laughs> like, they literally throw the babies in a fire pit and the babies fly away. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why did they throw the babies in a fire pit? <laughs> to prove they were magic? I don't know. Riverdale doesn't know anything about magic or babies. I <laughs> if I was, like, vetting babysitters and someone is like, I really like the TV show Riverdale, I'm like, uh-uh, you're going to talk about baby in a fire. Stay away. Stay away from my children. No, oh thank my you. Oh, my God. 
This is why CW doesn't have the budget for Supernatural anymore, is because they're making a spinoff of Riverdale so they can throw more babies in a fire. <laughs> oh my god. And like, well, honestly, I, I think it's probably more, way more cheap to do Riverdale. Because, like, Riverdale has crazy stuff, but Riverdale doesn't have things that are, like, very effects heavy i mean they literally had a guy get attacked by a bear but you never see the bear and you just see uh archie get slashed by like a mysterious claw and then hallucinate in a cabin for like two episodes so it's pretty <laughs> they cheap. stretched it's... that out for two episodes <laughs> I'm, maybe I, maybe i'm high, high uh doing a little bit of hyperbole it might just have been one episode but it felt like seven so. <laughs> that i'll believe that I'll believe. Anyway, story store. I didn't mean out to... for so long that they don't seem like they could fill ninety minutes. Five yeah, feet apart. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Okay, I'll be interested. I'll be interested to to hear all about this. Uh, but sorry, Danny. I also should introduce you, my co-host. Stop calling me Danny. <laughs> okay, fine. I won't call you Daenerys. Uh, Khaleesi. Khaleesi is that better? Mother of Dragons, Misa. Uh, I'm, the unburnt. I mean, there's so many nicknames. I can just go on with Daenerys references. Uh, <laughs> Breaker of chains. Breaker of chains. Oh, I'm just assuming this podcast is going to get more popular than Thor's Hour of Thunder. So I want you to call me Thor just so people will listen to my other podcast. Okay, Thor's Hour of Thunder podcast. Listen to that. This is your host Thor. <laughs> And I just recorded your first intro. You owe me money now. That was just an ad break. And uh, I just ad. That was an ad. So I'm just kidding. Um, but okay, before we get way too far off track, because it already seems like the track is so far off, we're talking about incest babies in Riverdale, but hey, what do you expect? I want to ask her more questions about what that wine tasted like. <laughs> I don't remember because it was that good. <laughs> it did okay. its job. That is, okay, that is exciting. That I remember is... it was sweet. I'd have to pull up the review to remind myself. <laughs> and I love that that's the one article you called out. I'm like, I write drivel all the time, but I'm really like, if there's one thing I feel like I want to leave as a lasting impression on the internet, it's reviewing shitty wine. <laughs> That is, uh, that's a great thing to have. Yeah. I, I wish like, I was I'm so that proud time. of that. That is, that is, that is worthy of the pride. Okay. Yeah. Who wants to describe this movie to me? Because I'm just going to give a brief intro for everything I know about this movie. I think I've half paid attention to the trailer once. Maybe, maybe one quarter. I think I maybe have seen like a little bit of it, but I was just like thinking of something else. I watched, there was a preview for it on the movie. I went to go see Captain Marvel yesterday and there was like a preview for the movie in the, like the trailer section. And it was like this little girl who did have cystic fibrosis calling into the cast being like, this movie means so much to me. It's great to actually see us represented on screen. And they're all like, Oh, but now I feel like this is bad because the movie is bad. I'm worried now. The movie's very bad. But uh, also, there was also an ad for Lip Balm that stars Riverdale actress who plays Cheryl Blossom. And that was all. I completely got distracted. I was like, oh, do I need to get – I was like, the first thing I saw, I was like, do I need to review this commercial? Do I need to convince somebody to buy this lip balm? Do, how far are we going into this podcast? I got to think. I'm going to put that in the bank for like year 17. Where like, like, well, she wants 
bought the lip balm and advertised it, so now I have to use it. <laughs> yeah. That seems legit. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So who wants to describe the plot? Tori, would you mind? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it's about uh, some, two teenagers who have cystic fibrosis, as you mentioned, um, and they are in the hospital and they fall in love. And they can't. Well, they're not supposed to because uh, there's a very specific thing about cystic fibrosis, which is um, people who have it tend to get uh, it's a problem with like mucus and it breeds bacteria. And so uh, people with cystic fibrosis often will have will be breeding like uh, pretty virulent strains of bacteria. And if they share it to each other. Um, it can be extra deadly. So that that's why there is this rule six feet apart. Like you're supposed to stay six feet apart from if you have cystic fibrosis from other people who have it. Apparently not with anyone else. It's just other patients. Um, and so the so they're not there. You know, they can be friendly, but they need to stand way apart. And then, uh, you know, as you can tell from the title, uh, it's called five feet apart because they're teenagers and they can't stick to the rules. Basically. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's yeah. you know what? That's a pretty good good description <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Uh, I'm just now imagining uh, renegade teenagers just yeah. five feet apart. Yeah. I, that, yeah. That makes that the uh, title a lot more meaningful, or like that it actually makes. Was this was this based on a YA book or anything? Like it so seems like it'd be ripe for like a YA it, book adaptation. It was, but my understanding is that it, it was one. So there's this kind of machine around kind of YA books where they tend. So some of them get written and then get adapted. This one was written and adapted kind of at the same time. Like I think the book came out not like maybe shortly before the movie, but the movie was definitely in production before the book came out. If my understanding is correct. Because why oh. would you, like, release the book and wait for it to be a success so that yeah, you would right, yeah, like, have yeah. a following? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, clearly this book, the plot, they could tell just from the logline <laughs> that it was ripe for an adaptation. So somebody well, snapped up the rights. Well, honestly, it, it kind of reminded me of, like, just the general plot description of it. Kind of reminded me of, like... The Fault in Our Stars, right? Like it was kind of, it kind of seems to be tapping into that same like YA it idea. Yeah. No, the, yeah. the the description from the publisher says in this moving story that's perfect for fans of The Fault in Our Stars. I yeah. kid you not. Oh, it is literally oh. somebody saw that wave and hopped on it. Yeah, but that wave is dying teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like a little like problem, but I'm also like okay. So I guess we're going to try and talk about this movie in, like, a few different sections. One, I'm interested, like, do they handle the actual cystic fibrosis stuff well? Like, is that stuff done respectfully? Um, Respectfully, yes, I think. Um, I know that the cf community has been a little bit some people you know like that girl that you mentioned are very happy just to see the disease given attention and brought to the screen other people um are upset that it is sensationalizing it um because it i mean it is it's it's a very difficult thing and everyone um patients who have it the challenges that they face are very different and it's, it's a, and it's a very confusing thing that not a lot of people know a lot about. So walking into it, I, you know, on the one hand, I was like, I feel like I know more about it 
now than I did before I saw the movie. But on the other hand, I can't really tell you if that is medically accurate. You know, I know that the six feet apart rule is true. I think that the film does a good job of showing you um, some of the day to day struggles of, you know, like um, the vests that they use to like kind of shake up mucus and the constant the medications and uh Cole Sprouse's character has is on a drug trial so like um you know he's he's kind of in a separate situation from her like all of them have their own kind of very particular issues that they're dealing with um but beyond that but, medically like I don't know yeah no no that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair I was just I just want I was just curious how they handled that plot line uh in terms of like people who actually do have a cystic fibrosis and so I'm just looking up a little bit of production history on it and I think one of the problems with this subgenre cuz I heard the same thing about uh Fault in Our Stars when I listened to a podcast about that um is these stories are constantly written by people who have known people with cystic fibrosis, right. but they're the survivors, not the person who actually went through it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, that's where like some of the like iffy stuff comes, comes to, comes to mind, right? Cause I can see why people are worried that it kind of like sensationalizes or romanticizes it because they're not written from the perspective or, well, they are written from the perspective, but they're not written by the people who actually went through it. Right? Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, I, you know, I don't know. I didn't watch fault in our stars. Um, I'm really, I'm actually fairly <laughs> unfamiliar with the dying teenager, some sub genre of I'm romance. Sure, I'm sure you have a healthier <laughs> psyche for having not experienced many of this. I don't know why I can't explain why that's just never drawn me in before. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I would say that, you know, I think one of the largest problems with the movie is that it doesn't romanticize anything, including the romance. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm not saying like it definitely doesn't make cystic fibrosis seem fun. I think that it, um, you know, and obviously how realistic the portrayal is, is something that I wouldn't be able to judge. But I will say that it doesn't it it at least tries to to capture the sense of um it kind of it being a constant struggle and and the the line between surviving and and actually having a life and so these teenagers are kind of stuck being you know it wondering what their next step will be wondering if they can and you know and and there are people with cystic fibrosis who get married and have lives and everything you know but it, there's always this kind of background of what if i get sick or what if there's an infection or what if you know um and so for the main character um Haley Lee Richardson's character, she is waiting for a lung transplant. And the whole thing is like, even if she gets it, it only guarantees her like five, five more years. Like it's, you burn through lung transplants. So there's this, there's this really, it's not that they're terminally ill, like they're as terminally ill as all of us are in that we're going to die someday. And that is a fact, but it's also, but they never know, you know, it's, it's a bit more pressing for them, but it's, it's, for any of them, they never know. It's not like they're also immediately dying. So it's a very weird movie or in disease in that sense of like, they may have a few years, they might make it through. Okay. It might suck for as long as they're doing it, or they could die tomorrow. And like, it's just a big question mark. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. You know, it's, it, that, that, that's, that's really interesting. Cause from my perspective, I, again, like I thought it was like, 
here is like a point where like point of no return or something like that. Like just because thinking from like a film structure point, right? Because like it's usually like we've got this big surgery coming up. I may not make it like let's hang out until then and see what happens. Or There are a few of those, but it's also it's literally so one of them is um, she gets um, her like she's got like a gastro tube implanted and it gets infected and. And she has to go in to get it treated. So you're dealing with an infection, but the whole point is like that is actually what's dangerous to her because her the problem is it's not that the tube itself is like that should not be a life threatening illness. It's the fact that she'll have to go under general anesthetic to to get it treated because they're like when you're when your system is already that weakened, she could just not wake up. So there's those weird things where it's like the day to day maintenance could turn around and bite her in the ass, Um, and. I mean, are we how how spoilery yeah, let's, are we so getting? Let's start spoiling this because that's that's I, sort I of feel the like, stuff okay, I have to talk le- about. Let's yeah. do the let's do the 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 cutoff before spoilers. So yeah. there'll be spoilers after this point, but just before we get to the spoiler points, okay? Would you recommend the movie, Tori? Uh... <laughs> okay, I mean, that's a, that's an. Uh... I, I think you said okay. it. I liked your your uh, description for uh, Pajibida about it, Pajiba. It, it, Pajiba. <laughs> about it about it being a very good slasher film. Yeah, like I think it it is not a great romance. It is a pretty interesting horror film. Um, so I think you know I have to say like the performances in it are are. The the main cast, their chemistry is wonderful. Um, I had no faults with as much as we may joke around about Jughead and and Amelia Clark. They were so good you, together. You had no issues. You had no fault with the stars. With the stars. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Um, and, and but even beyond the first two, um, yet again, I can't pronounce anyone's names. But the the actor who played Poe, who's um, looks like it's like um, Maurice Ar Eyes. Um, oh my god, I did that name no justice. But um, he was really good too. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Um, the nurses, the parents, <laughs> Claire Forlani's in it. <laughs> who do you like? I had kind of forgotten the existence of Claire Forlani until she showed up as Cole Sprouse's mother. <laughs> Oh my god! Like Claire Frolotti. Oh my goodness! I was like, I was like, wait, where do I know mall rats? And I was like, this is the second, this is the second day in a row where I've seen mall rats references. And I was like, stop it, stop it, no more mall rats, no more. And I, I just kept thinking of Meet Joe Black, that yeah. like terrible oh. Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. That was awful. Oh, but yeah, she no. was also on NCIS Los Angeles. So she? she's doing well. She was doing uh, good. Well, now she, no one needed to know. Um, now <laughs> she is. Now she is the mother of a sick teen. <laughs> Not as good as being the mother of the dragons, but you know, uh, <laughs> you know gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. Uh, Thor, what would you think? What did you think? I mean, or would you recommend it? I, I don't really recommend that anyone consumes any media anymore. I just recommend that people listen to reviews of them. So uh, you already got the job done. You're listening to us talk about it. Uh, what? What even is your life? <laughs> you just you just sit in your room, and be like, hmm, really want to read this book, but I'm gonna get 1,700 reviews so I can read the reviews like I'm reading the book. 
We had a yeah. book full of reviews. Yeah, that's that's basically me. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Living on Wikipedia. Have you paid Wikipedia? Because <laughs> if you're consuming Wikipedia as your media, and we should be paying for media, are you? Have you given to any of the pledge drives to Wikipedia? I don't give to Wikipedia. I give to like smaller, you know, companies like like Wanket and stuff like that that I feel as if have writers that need my money, as opposed to Wikipedia where they just have servers that need my money. <laughs> oh, see, that was that was a thoughtful answer and a response that was good. I was just ragging on you, but that's good. I'm glad yeah. I have a response, uh, and I'm glad you are doing that. So thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs up for Thor. Um, but uh, yeah, so there you go. People don't think it's not. It doesn't come highly recommended from the cast. Now we're going to dive into spoilers. I mean, if you really need to see more Cole Sprouse, it it does show that Cole Sprouse does have some range. He was a lot less over the top than he is as Jughead. I will give him credit for that. And uh, also, meeting... to... oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say also to his credit, he had to say some truly absurd lines, and he made it work. Yeah, like. He may have been less over the top. The writing was plenty over the oh top. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear some of this yeah, stuff. Because so... I was about to say, because does he read In Cold Blood at any point? Does he have any, like, overbearing narration? Like, cystic fibrosis reminded me of the school I used to go to. Uh, I'm trying to, I have a bunch of quotes that he wrote, yes. and so, I'm yeah, trying blanket, to remember. Blanket spoiler now. Let's let's get into the good okay. stuff, which is basically okay, the let's get into all, all the spoilers. Sorry, yeah. I felt like we had to address the actual... Oh, no, no, I'm glad you did that. The first half of this movie, like she said, is, is I, I don't have this disease, but it seemed like they were trying to be respectful, and then at some point, the movie just goes fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, we've got to turn a romance in here somewhere, so. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so, first spoiler, can we just talk about the fact that, so we kind of addressed what the title is, Five Feet Apart, so it's like she, you know, is breaking the rules, going that one, one foot closer than she's supposed to, yeah. but the way she measures that distance is by hauling out a pool cue, yes. and they they each hold the ends of the pool cue and go on a really sexy hospital date. Yes. <laughs> they walk around the hospital holding yeah. a pool yeah. cue between them. Yeah. Which which led to my note, you can go fucking goddamn anywhere in this hospital any time of the night. And then my next note, the fuck? They are in the pool now? The pools and hotels are locked after 10 p.m. And I imagine hospitals have more stringent policies than hotels. Right? All right. Also, I mean, like, I guess for therapy? Uh, Yeah, I was was, was trying to think of why there'd be a pool in the hospital. I guess for therapeutic purposes, because I know that water therapy, but I almost always feel like you'd have to go off-site to do that, right? To, like, an actual... Yeah, you would imagine, especially when it's, like, you're dealing with a bunch of people who pick up bacteria (laughs) to a dangerous extent, and you're going to put them in a wet environment. (laughs) Yes, and also, like, I would imagine uh, that you, um, yeah, they would definitely keep that locked, right? Like, I think in a hospital, more than anything, you would keep a pool under lock and key unless there was somebody on site at all times, even more than, like, a hotel, because you don't know... 
who is getting in there? Yeah. You don't know what Riverdale parents are like. Hey, we've got these bunch of babies. Like, what are we gonna like, do with them? Chuck right? Chuck them in a pool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I had, I had, I had like minor surgery a few weeks ago. Um, I, I sent Andrew the great video of me like high on uh, synthetic narcotics, giving him a tour of my uh, room. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> As you do. Yeah, and uh, like when I had when I was in a room without a bathroom, they had a nurse follow me to the bathroom to like make sure I didn't you know wander off. Like hospitals right. want to make sure you don't fuck shit up, you know? Like, yeah, no, I mean this movie was very much about like the the kind of push and pull between the nurses, the the hospital staff need to keep an eye on them, but it's still a movie about teenagers, which means slipping out of the attention of grown ups. <laughs> Has yeah. to be like relatively yeah. easy. Yeah, <laughs> and so, I mean, it's just like a really weird like. Just don't set it in a hospital. <laughs> I just can't get over the pool scene. I just I don't know why. I just keep going back to this pool oh. scene because like I'm just thinking like, do they have bathing suits or oh. are they like teenagers and they no. just go? Okay. So they're on a date. And let me just say, um, the costumes are could be like a whole other podcast. This movie is ridiculous, but yes. she for her date pulls out what is like. I think it's a dress, but, like, I'm 35, so, like, maybe I just don't know what kids wear these days, but it looked like a slip. Like, even if I were to go on a date, I would at least wear something that's meant to be clothing, not (laughs) underclothing. I'm pretty sure it was a slip. It was, like, a straight-up slip. And her, like, and Poe, the friend, is like, don't wear that, and she, like, (laughs) smirks and wears it. And you're like, with, like, combat boots. Meanwhile, he's dressed, like, and this is his, his, like, (laughs) <laughs> what the Cole Sprouse character wears the whole time is like designer sweatpants, giant combat boots, and like chunky sweaters. <laughs> and they all wear weird chunky sweaters or like shawls or they like they all look like they're trying to be like grandma. I don't know. It's very weird. And so and the slip dress comes out. So they live in the hospital as well? They're, like the, they, They're staying there long term for all of their various, like, she's just moving in, but it's, like, for a long-term stay. Um, right. He's there for a drug trial. Um, so they all, it, but it's very clear that they've all been in and out of yeah. the hospital most of their lives. At, at the beginning, so she weirdly this enough takes says... Place in a, this takes place in America, right? Just clarifying. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, say, let's yeah. say it was yeah. filmed in New Orleans. Um, they never say the name of the city. They're always looking out at the city lights, but they don't say what city it is. Um, but it also, but it also fake snows, which I don't think is that common in New Orleans. Yeah. So, sorry, right, is it canon that the snow is fake? I think it. I mean, I'm sure in the script it was real. I'm saying visually it was not. <laughs> They do. I just, I just imagine some guy in a Santa Claus suit at the top of the hospital, just like dumping (laughs) snow, like dumping confetti. I'm pretty sure that's how they filmed it. (laughs) They probably had a crew member in a Santa suit. They also also go to the most like obvious. This is a set pond ever. Like the fucking pond from It's a Wonderful Life looked more like a real pond. (laughs) Oh my god! And then they're like, "Let's go ice skating on." But like these kids are sick and they're playing in the snow and then skating on the ice. And then the big conclusion is they, she falls through and he, and he has to give her mouth to mouth. Like, this is like the breakdown of the barrier is like, so like, uh, when you say a pond, like this is not like an ice rink. This is like an actual pond that they go like they're walking through a park. 
and then there's like you know one of those little lake pond things, and yeah. they like start playing on it, and then she falls down. Like the kind that, from, when you're a kid, they teach you do not fucking go on these because they're not frozen solid, and you will die. Right. Well, yeah, even yeah, if you don't have a disease that weakens your immune though. system. <laughs> right. Yeah, but teenagers gonna teenage. That's kind of that's kind of yeah. teenage. teenage. And, and but, then, okay, so uh, um, is there? Because I know in a lot of cystic fibrosis cases, they actually have the oxygen tanks on them. Do I guess they're bringing them around? Yeah, the with the tubes, they have their little bags of yeah. So they, no. go, they skate with like not well, not skating. I mean, they're like boot skating. I guess, I guess well, you can like. I guess you can you can take it off occasionally, right? Like it's well, not the, the, time, the bigger but. thing is that they're hiking through a park that they shouldn't be in in the middle of the night when they shouldn't have left the hospital, and they are absolutely carrying their like little security like their packs with the tubes for their oxygen. Yes. From what I know, isn't like security security in hospitals is like pretty pretty tight, right? Like they they got they, don't they usually have lockdown? Like know all the exits? Like that's crazy. Well, you have to sign out if you leave. You have to fill out a pile of paperwork to say I am leaving, even though doctors advise me not to leave. But they just wander off. You can wander anywhere in this fucking hospital. Yeah. You can go outside. Yeah. At one point, Cole Sprouse, go, with the hospital's permission, goes out outside of her room in the middle of the night to do a fucking light show for her that's yeah that's like the big the big conclusion is like him breaking up with her by giving her like her own light show like it's this it is this white whoa, 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 romance whoa, 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 whoa. okay wait a minute wait a minute that isn't post breakup let's get back together light no, show no, this is, a- no 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 this is the light show saying i love you but i'm dumping you anyway this is the breakup <laughs> What? What? No, 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 no. Okay, that was the meanest thing to do to a person ever. I love you. Here's a light show. I mentioned she was coming out from under anesthetic from getting the new lungs. What? They, her whole family, his family, they all know this is happening. They all agree to helping. So while she's recovering, like still unconscious, he goes out and sets up these very elaborate lights outside because she never got to see the city lights on their ill-advised wintry hike. Um, Where they were going to walk two miles to the city after sneaking out of the hospital. You've already seen the rooftop of the hospital where there is a perfectly good view of the lights. Like, you know the characters can get to the roof. No, they go on a hike. Anyway, so she <laughs> she wakes up, and he's like, he can't be in the room with her, because, again, he's supposed to be, uh, you know, six feet apart. So he's outside the window, turns on the lights, and has essentially called her to say, I can't do this anymore because it's too hard, and I want you to survive, and here are these lights, and now you need to stop looking at me while I walk away. she just got out of surgery that can wait that can wait you can just be a you can just be a supportive boyfriend for like I don't know another week or two so she can heal from her ill like from her surgery he was proud of the light show I think okay I again also like are these like elaborate lights or like they did not I think they were supposed to be elaborate lights. To me, they just looked like someone, like you, like you were trying to set up a prom, but you didn't do anything other than the twinkly lights. Yeah. And it was sort of like outside the window in a courtyard. Yeah. Like, see, where did he? Something. It didn't, there was, it was just like <laughs> a courtyard. Like fucking spotlights light up a courtyard. <laughs> I, would, I would love the fact if she was like, this is it. This is what the city lights are supposed to look like. <laughs> I'm about to go back. You could break up with me with better lights. 
Get over yeah. here. Also, like, that's insane because, again, another thing in hospitals that's a big thing is use of power, right? Like, they're constantly <laughs> like, where are you going to get the, the power to do those lights? Where yeah. are you going to get those lights? I work in, like, an audiovisual warehouse. People have to rent those lights. Somebody had to go pick up the lights from the show so that he could break up with his girlfriend getting out of a surgery with the lights. Did anyone else know that he was breaking up with her at the yes. time? Her parents, his what? mother, all of their friends. And the they hospital staff. They helped him do this. <laughs> what are the worst parents in the world? That's the worst thing to do. Hey, glad you're out of your surgery and you're not dead. We yeah. got some news for you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. It's also when now. she literally wakes up. And, like, when you're under yeah. full anesthetic and they've already talked about the risks of her, like, oh. not waking up because full anesthetic for someone with a weakened immune system like her. And they're like, oh, good. We're glad you're alive. And you're going to be loopy as shit because you were under full anesthetic. Are you cogent now? Oh, good. Here's the first bit of information you're going to be able to process. Yeah. Yeah. That's the meanest thing. Okay. It's terrible. Okay. That's why why I was saying this was not a very good romance. (laughs) And we haven't even gone into how jam-fucking-packed this, like, five-hour stretch of an evening was. This movie takes place over weeks, and then the uh, climax all takes place in one evening, one, like, from, like, 8 p.m. to whatever, 2 a.m., where, let me just list off, here's my notes on, in the course of one night, the the world's fanciest hospital food birthday party happens. Um, Oh, my God, with the lobster! Yes. Lobster! What, in a hospital? Would you ever eat hospital lobster? Yes. You think the lobster is there for like treatment and died and they're like, all right, the lobster didn't make it. So sorry, we'll go over all these things, but let me just make sure we hit over everything that happens in this one five-hour stretch. World's fanciest hospital food birthday party. Uh, Best friend dies. Walk to ice skate with no ice skates. New lungs become available for the female lead. The fucking light show. The breakup. <laughs> All in a five-hour stretch. It might be slightly longer, but yeah, it was basically like boom, okay. boom, 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 boom. Okay, her best friend who was Poe? Poe yes. died? So what? What? what's the deal with Poe? Poe actually sounds like an interesting character, but I don't know anything about him. What he does... would have been if they let him do anything other than be on a skateboard and be her very, like, it's like the gay best friend character from the 90s, basically. Yeah. It, Wait, like wh- he's just the best friend who's also got CF and they've, they, they've known each other because they've always been in hospitals together. And, uh, and yeah, so his whole thing is, you know, he's just, it's, it's kind of like trying to provide another window into the disease without showing like anyone that isn't a hormonal teenager who has the disease. Um, <laughs> good to know, but, good to know. But yeah, so he, you know, he's got like a little bit of a story, but no, it really is serving her. And so when he, he dies suddenly to to demonstrate the fact that people can die suddenly with with this he, disease. He dies because he said he was going to introduce his boyfriend to his parents. Right. Because much like in a slasher movie, once you have some sort of moment of commitment, <laughs> right, you're gone. Like, and it really was. And this was my note on his like the moment they introduced his character. I literally wrote in my notes, "Tote's gonna die," and then <laughs> and then as I got to know him, I was like, "Oh, maybe he won't." And then no, he absolutely dies. Do you actually get to meet his boyfriend? Because that no. would be interesting. No. no. You don't meet really? his parents either. No, because it's really, it's all about her. Okay, yeah. let's, uh, briefly, I just want to go over the other writing credits of this uh, this individual who wrote this. 
I think it will start to make a lot more sense. Okay. Um, they have another movie coming out soon, uh, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Their first ever movie that they wrote, uh, the name is Tobias Iaconis, and it's uh, that's their name is Tobias. That's not a real person name. <laughs> Tobias, uh, and then Mickey Mickey Dogtree is the writing partner. So these two people write wait, everything wait, together, wait. and they what? these are pseudonyms. These people. That's are... not a real. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I didn't name these people. Like, I don't know. That's like when um, I found out in Sabrina, the the Nicky, whatever, the Nick Scratch character, the actor's name is Gavin Leatherwood. And I was like, why are you going by Nick Scratch? Use your real name in the show. Oh, Gavin Leatherwood? Wait, time out. Gavin you watch Sabrina? Leatherwood. Yeah. Huh? You watch Sabrina? Oh, yeah. Okay, we have to have her back on to Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you back on to talk about that. Uh, but, okay, so the first ever writing credit for this, this person has three writing credits, okay. Tobias. Uh, <laughs> his first one is Behind Enemy Lines, Columbia. So this is a straight-to-video 2009 movie. <laughs> Ooh. And he didn't, and he wrote two movies this year. So he wrote something in like 20 2009 didn't write anything for two years and then he wrote to it he worked out for two movies (laughs) five feet apart and the curse of la llorona oh la llorona horror movie (laughs) no I'm yes. to review that this month. <laughs> I just got my like April assignment. Yeah, it's written by the exact same person. I bet you this one will have a better romantic plot than his Five Feet Apart, and like it'll miss all the horror beats, and will just be a good romance. That would be amazing. Yeah. So like because I, I wrote the review for um for Five Feet Apart as if it was a horror movie, and I was even thinking in my head like, oh, they've assigned me to write a horror movie. What if I write the whole thing as if it's a romance? Like just oh completely unintentionally, and now I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm especially concerned that they're doing the Curse of La Llorona, uh, because um, at least um, the only one who has an IMDb, Tobias, uh, is German. He is not uh, of it's like way Hispanic. Yeah, like like <laughs> La Llorona is a very Hispanic uh, tale, and yeah. at least I. Uh, Oh nope, that looks like that is a that is a very very white person directing the movie as well. <laughs> uh, Cultural La sensitivity. Lalorona's La looking like it's in La La Trouble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's not very good. good. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I just thought it was funny <laughs> that the other the other credit that both of these writers also wrote was the. Curse of La Llorona horror movie. I just really hope it has a great romance. Maybe this one, it really was supposed to be horror and everyone is getting it wrong. Look, all we need to know is we need someone to watch Behind Enemy Lines, Columbia. None of us will do it. We all refuse. We're not doing it. Somebody needs to go back in time, watch this movie. Yes, it only can only be watched in 2009 also. That's the description. Yeah, you have to have watched it when it Yeah, you have to time travel and then watch it. And then then keep the memory alive. Yes, exactly. And then let us know if it's actually a rom-com because that would fit. So I guess I'm trying to think of the antithesis of like Um, uh, a thriller. Uh, I guess a rom-com would be it. Like behind it. Lines of his heart. And it's it's like actually, a- it's actually a real, it's a period drama. It's about like <laughs> how servants working in a manor. <laughs> it's like a period downstairs. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> what behind enemy lines? 
<laughs> and be not. Oh um, my! Wait, the, but you know who the director the... is, right? Uh no. Who is the director? Um, he he's from Jane the Virgin. He's in, this is his first like feature film directing, but he plays Raphael, I believe. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he's an actor who I think he's directed a few other things, but not like a big feature film. I, I think he's directed episodes of Jane the Virgin. Uh, yeah, I he's think... definitely directed episodes, and I think he's done some like more documentary, like nonfiction stuff. But I'm sure he's a nice guy. But based on this movie, he should probably continue to direct episodes of Jane the Virgin. I guess for a while. I mean, like if you, I, I guess for for everybody, uh, like. Especially directing, it's hard to go from like TV to a feature, even though nowadays they are very close. But like, it's it's very hard to do that transition. Yeah. Um, I want to read to you. I just clicked oh, on. And this I guess rock- I should be fair. He directed the the actors well. The you know, yeah. the, the ridiculous script isn't his fault. Some of the right. you know, some some of the, the the staging choices were awkward. But like we're you awkward. said, that's that's g- directing the lighting and you know choreography but, in a movie is very different versus and TV. what I will give him credit and here's one of the reasons why I think it actually does play pretty well as a horror movie is like there is this like it, the cho- the way they he frames the the characters the main two for a lot of the time like you really get the sense of the distance I don't just mean when there's a pool cue involved <laughs> like, even even when they're not carrying a pool cue so you're very you know focused on the <laughs> amount of space between them um he does do a pretty good job of, of of framing them in a way that charges that space and there is this sort of like dread and this anticipation of like <laughs> they're going to keep getting closer and you know, this is going to end poorly, but you know, but it is that it's that opposite um, instinct where when you're watching a romantic movie, you're anticipating the connection of the characters because that's a good thing. And in this, this is like the one romance where you're watching them going like, God, don't touch. <laughs> like it's yeah. like them coming together is not a good thing. <laughs> wow. That's great. Cause I'm so used to watching TV and just yelling, Coos! but this time I'd be, I'd be like, yelling, don't kiss. Oh, get away. Um, yeah. As, but, but good some... as, the, as, as good as the directing was in this movie, I must read the Rotten Tomatoes first sentence description of the director, <laughs> Justin Baldoni. <laughs> okay. Prepare yourself. Was a DJ for a local top 40 radio station in high school. Was on the soccer and track teams in high school, but his dreams of being a professional athlete got derailed because of a torn hamstring his senior year. Father is a film executive. Mother is a (laughs) feng shui consultant. First acting job was on a Chinese soap opera, though uh, he doesn't speak the language. Got his parents' roles in the Hallmark Channel movie Wedding Days. They portrayed his character's parents. Has directed music (laughs) videos as well as the 2010 web series The Walk of Fame, which spotlighted music artist Jason Duruo. Hobbies include (laughs) mountain biking, running, and working out at the gym. Who wrote this? He wrote it. <laughs> I do not believe that he wrote it. No. no no one when they are writing their own bio starts with that they were a DJ at high school. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. To like you do I not did track write. and field. Like what? They talk about Jane the Virgin. And they also bring up his dreams that were shattered. Right? Like that's like 
That's so terrible. They're just like, yeah, he had dreams, but they just didn't work out. So now he's writing five feet apart. Guess you should feel bad because you made fun of the movie. He got a punch. Well, I like that they were like he wanted to be an athlete, but then he just had to have his his film executive dad get him a career in Hollywood. Yeah, basically. yeah, like nepotism. Oh my god. Um, it's so good. The uh, I guess I found my new favorite thing, which is looking at uh, bios on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. So because um, Cole Sprouse of, has some equally ridiculous ones, but I won't get into that now. Go ahead. Sorry. Speaking of weird choices, and you should read the Cole Sprouse bio before the end of this episode. But speaking of weird <laughs> choices in this movie, um, do you remember how this movie begins with um the like uh montage of like sort of YouTube style clips? Yeah, and also ends. Oh! We and, didn't mention that she's she she is a avid YouTube live streamer. Yes, right. Because that's apparently the the person that um I think I I think I read it was the director or the creator one of the one of the people who was involved. That was the real life person they knew that died. Right. So this is like this again. This is where the problematic elements of storytelling come through because this is a man writing about a woman's experience. For a like for a disease he doesn't have, right? Like those those two yeah. things, and like it's it's very uh, easy to see where the like ideas of like a manic pixel. Like I don't know how well they realized the character, but from the outset, I would be very worried about how they wrote the female character in this movie. Well, well it's, it's more a manic pixie dream, Cole. Like I feel like he's yeah. more the oh yeah. he. Oh yeah, he's a he's an artist, but he's a cartoonist. It's very it's uh, yeah, it's very particular. Yeah. But then um, in the end, he finally, right before he breaks up with her, he finally opens up and shows her some of his realistic drawings to show his real feelings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he can do actual art, but he prefers cartoons. She is, however, well, she calls herself OCD, but then there's no no real unpacking of that. Um, like whether that's an actual clinical diagnosis or if it's just that she's anal retentive because she she's super into like un, like packaging her medications and making sure everything's like they bond because she yells at him for not sticking to his routine. Like, oh. that's like all their the basis of their relationship is is him being like. I don't know, like an artist and her being like, you need to do your healthy routine yeah. and like, well, just yelling. The, the weird thing, too, is that he's in the hospital as a minor where, like, his parents, his mom, you know, can tell the doctors, like, okay, you have to make this guy take his medicine. And the nurse also says, like, oh, I don't have to make you take your medicine anymore. And the doctor says, hey, you're not taking your medicine. And I'm just like, why aren't you just making it? Like, you can literally just put it in liquid form in this fucking IV. Like that. Well, not only that, but he's not just in the hospital. Like she's in the hospital trying to like get healthier or whatever. Like he's in the hospital for a drug trial. Yeah. Like he literally has to be on the medication. Yeah. There there should be no. So there's there's this weird thing where they're giving these teenagers a whole lot of leeway. um, Because that because part of it is that you know with like the focus on the routine is very particular. It's like you have to go through all these steps to like maintain your health. And he's kind of like, you know, getting, he's like almost 18 and he's a teenager and he's upset with having his whole life dictated by this. So he's like throwing caution to the wind. And it's like, well, if that's the case, don't sign up for a drug trial. <laughs> like don't or go to the hospital get... if you're not going to do any of the things. Sorry, I interrupted. No. He would get immediately thrown out of the fucking drug trial for not following the parameters and being a bad test subject. Okay, so there's a uh, Patty Sobieski movie called The Hospital. That's a very dark satire with George C. Scott, 
where there's a serial killer loose in a hospital. That is a more nuanced and realistic portrayal of what an actual hospital is like than this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for fun, they roll in the med cart into Haley Lou Richardson's like room and just like let her organize like the the pill boxes. Like who lets and it's like a whole weird thing where it's like on the one hand, yes, giving someone the power to control their own, I guess, meds is like a good thing. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, you're giving, you're giving them a certain amount of like self control. But on the other hand, you're a hospital for a reason. Yeah. Do you like people have to get certified to give meds? You don't just like yeah. roll med cart into someone's room and be like have at it have fun Damn. have to go to school for like seven fucking years yeah, yeah. Okay. and then not only that she very easily sneaks into super fucking infectious cole sprouse's room just wearing like uh like goggles and a mask and she fucking organizes his med cart and no one in the hospital notices that she snuck into super infectious cole sprouse's room and then he's talk about him sneaking into her surgery yeah i was gonna say so she like so he knows she's scared about like the it's just the whatever the the tube surgery when so she's nervous about going under general anesthetic so he puts on full-on hospital scrubs like everything pretends he's a surgeon and just walks in to like sing to her and then manages to sneak out around the curtain as the doctors come in. It is yeah. so, like, so wrong. Like, all, like and, like, and, like, no one notices, like, here's this surgeon walking down the hall that, like, I've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Marx Brothers <laughs> What does he routine. sing? What, what does he sing? What does he sing? Oh, uh, what is that? Uh, Penny in a Bushel or something like that. It's some old-timey song. There, oh, so there's this whole thing where, like, her sister died and her sister was, like, well, I don't know, really important to her because it's she a sister. She was in the X Games! <laughs> yeah, she, she died, like, cliff diving. What? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. She died... <laughs> they just casually drop in that she died cliff diving. No, so so you know through videos that, like, so her sister was really into the, all this, like, kind of adre adrenaline pumping extreme sports, like skydiving and stuff like that, because her sister couldn't do any of that. So the whole thing is that the... The, she would go out and do these things and Don't take videos. Don't say that like it makes sense. Don't do so that the, like the movie did. Yeah, well, no, like, you know, so she, she videotapes all of her skydiving adventures and stuff and then shows yeah. the tape, the videos to her sister in the hospital being like, you know, which to me, I'm like, I can understand that that's really sweet, but it's also a little bit of a, like, see what you're missing. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's a little, it can go either way. It can yeah, go either way. Sure, so, sure. They, yeah, so that's the sister. And so her sister had this, like, whole song, whatever the bushel, I don't know, it's some old tiny song. Did her sister die skydiving or something? No, no cliff jumping. Which oh, I don't geez. exactly know what cliff jumping is, but I guess it's jumping off of a cliff. Like it seems like that's a way to die. It, it, oh God! I she hope there was a video of that. The water. I, oh, it's the oh. bushel and a peck song. Yeah. I love oh. you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck, a barrel did and she, a heap. A I don't even sing that anymore. <laughs> did Did she sing that while cliff jumping? Or like, was there like video of her like doing that? Or like was that like the funeral? So how recent did her did she die? I think it had been a couple of years. Well, you see in oh, one of her... One of these, so oh my god, special. that would have been so dark if they Cole yeah, Sprouse is going through her, her YouTube <laughs> and he finds the video of, like... And then he finds the video of the funeral and it's just a dirge of everyone singing a bushel and a peck. But also, like, that's when you know your live stream YouTube, like, personality, like, you've gone overboard. If you're, like, live streaming 
from a funeral, <laughs> like your sister's funeral. <laughs> you're recording that. So that's the whole thing. So he, he obsesses her like YouTube channel and sees a video where her sister sings it to her. So he okay. shows up in hospital scrubs to sing it to her to make her feel better. And wow. Breaks into the actual sterilized operating room, stands on the table, and puts a picture her sister did on the ceiling. Which <laughs> to make her feel better. That now, the, hospital, the operating room, regardless of him wearing scrubs, the operating room's been contaminated by a dude with super fucking infectious diseases! And everyone's gonna die in that operating room forever now! Yeah, I don't know why. Like, he, he managed to, because they reveal that, and you're like, how? How? We just saw it. Like, when did he I, have time to put that up there? I, I, like, feel like that's one of those things where you could go to a nurse and be like, look, can you put this up? And, like, or, like, do something for her, and the nurse might be like, okay, here, I'll do that for you, because I'm a nurse, like, and I can be in here, and I don't yeah. have a disease. No, I'm not going to stand on the fucking operating table and stick this in the ceiling, you madman. <laughs> Okay. It's, yeah, it's an operating. I don't know how long this, like, where this picture came from. <laughs> also, yeah. it's probably. Okay. I mean, I, what if one of the pins falls off into her? <laughs> into her. There were a lot. There were a lot of problems. <laughs> so when I when I said that, this that movie right. gets rapidly crazy, um, yeah, that was about the time where this movie was just like fuck everything. <laughs> yeah, and it just like yeah. I will have you know, on Rotten Tomatoes, this is Cole Sprouse's highest rated film. Wait, he has other movies? I know, I was going to say, what? His lowest rated film is from 2002, 1%. What? Okay, and it starred Dana was Carvey. He, was he what an infant? It? Yeah. Was he, was he the baby in Shoot 'em Up? He was, he was, he, he was, oh 10, my god, that's if he 20. was, I would be so interested. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, and that was two, 2002, so he was 10. And uh, he was in The Master of Disguise. Yep. Oh, my God. With Master Dana Carvey? Yes, with Dana Carvey. Uh, I don't so remember that. Listen. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> you are good. You had enough caffeinated wine to forget that, and you are good. You Ooh. have done well in life. It's the movie where Dana Carvey disguises himself as a turtle. Yeah, and then he goes, I'm not turtly enough for the turtle club. Turtle, turtle. It's awful. It's awful. I should specify I haven't seen it because I don't watch movies. Uh, <laughs> I, I only read reviews. Yes. A friend of mine wrote a very good review of it. Marcus Alexander Hart, you wrote a very funny review. Uh, He's but, not okay. listening. He has better things to do. Let's hear Let's hear the uh, one. Did you know he was born in, Cole Sprouse was born in Italy, by the way? That's a thing. Really? Yep, no. he was born in Tuscany. Yep. Uh, uh, wait, also, he was that ten. Tuscan hair. <laughs> <laughs> Tuscan hair. Also, he it was ten different. in two thousand two. Yeah, because he was born in ninety two. I'm looking at his okay, birthday yeah, right now. I, I forgot don't know that, that off the top of my head. Don't I, worry. We we joke about them all being too old to play high schoolers, but yeah, he's legit. Like, how the fuck old? Like, he's like twenty seven. He is twenty seven. I mean. Uh, how old it's, was Dawson? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's true. That's true. He pulls uh, off a teenager better than. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, true. Yeah. He does. He does. Well, well it better, would be difficult better than fucking Jason Priestley with the fucking like nine foot long sideburns. You know, like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it would be difficult to land a more preternatural start to acting than American Cole Sprouse. We just found out he was born in Italy, but whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, an identical twin, the fair-haired Cole, so he could have been the baby of Shoot 'Em Up because that had an identical twin. <laughs> yep, 
The fair-haired Cole reportedly commenced television appearances as early as six months old when he and his brother Dylan were jointly cast as Patrick Kelly, the eight-month-old son of acid mouth oil refinery worker Grace Kelly in the popular ABC sitcom Grace Under Fire. Say that three times fast. Oh, my gosh. Wait, wait. Time out. One, Grace Under Fire. Two, the character in Grace Under Fire was named Grace Kelly. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. I also love the description "acid mouth oil refinery worker." Could you not like? Could you not have come up with a better description? Yeah. After that program's cancellation in 1998, the Sproses signed on to appear opposite Funny Man Adam Sandler. That's <laughs> oh, no. oh no, were they in Big Daddy? Yeah, they were. They were Big Daddy, directed by Dennis Dugan. In that vehicle, the then five-year-old twins play Julian, a little adopted boy by infant misfit and loser Sonny Koufax, <laughs> who hopes to prove to his estranged girlfriend that he's capable. Like, this is so long. They also- just describe the episode. <laughs> wait, wait. Also, what is it with them only playing the children of characters that are named after either real people or almost real people? Grace Kelly and then Sandy Koufax, Sonny Koufax? Yeah. Yep, and then we're just going to go right down to the end. Bit roles in Hannah Montana, Wizards of Waverly Place, and Wizards on Deck with Hannah Montana followed after Sweet Life with Zack and Cody went off the air in 2008. And after renaming the Dylan for Sweet Life on Deck that same year, Wait, the were siblings they, were they together for Cody? Sweet... Yeah, they were Zack and Cody. He was Cody, I think? Okay, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, well, I worked I don't at the know video if... store at the time, and we had about a billion of their tapes, and they've they've tapes. Oh my god, DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I don't know who wrote like these Rotten Tomatoes bios, but I want to meet them because they sound like insane people. <laughs> do you think like the user submitted, or do you think some like Rotten Tomatoes just hired one super fa- one person who's a fan of fucking everything to write all of them? I... Like that, so that's like you people can sign up and like control their own thing, but yeah, I mean somebody. So like I have never signed into Rotten Tomatoes, but they have a profile form, not profile, like not a description, but they pull, they grab my reviews and pull pull quotes, and I'm constantly like, who is the monkey behind the scenes doing this? Because the, <laughs> the pull quotes, they'll be like, I, there was one movie I did, that fucking dog movie. Where they were like, it's fresh. Like she, she, you know, her rating is fresh and like pulls a quote. And I'm like, you missed the part in the title where I say, fuck this movie. And it's, <laughs> and like literally say the only people who would enjoy it are sociopaths. <laughs> was like it, there was uh, I, a dog's, dog's, was it a dog's purpose? Cause there's now been the a, new one, the new a dog's one. way home. Dog's way home. Yeah. And there's, like, did you see movie. there's That's a dog's movie. journey That's coming hilarious. soon to a theater near you? I'm oh. looking. I'm looking at so your uh, like your uh, Rotten Tomatoes profile right now, and I oh, see God. a dog's way home on here. Yeah, here's your here's your poll quote. What did they pull? This movie is blunt as hell, but it is still effective, and that's supposed to be your positive review. <laughs> they, didn't use anything. they use that one sentence to describe your entire review. Yeah, yes. I do. Yeah, like that but is. But if you like, if you look at your yeah, if you look at your uh, like your other ones. Like, they take, like, paragraphs out of some of your reviews, and then for other ones, they don't at all. Like, they just take one, like... My favorite was, there was one for a 911 where it was something like, it was like the season two premiere, and I was just like, and I was making a joke about how I was happy it was back, and I was like, take me, 911, my body is yours, and that's the full quote. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. 
<laughs> that, like, I mean, that's kind of basically what my review style is, so fair enough. Like, I, uh, I really hope, I really hope they, like, use that in marketing somewhere, like, okay. No, I, so I don't know who, like, there are people who can sign in and control that stuff, but if they don't, Rotten Tomatoes apparently has a staff that does it, and I'm, I am very suspicious of their judgment, is all I <laughs> At least they got your best, uh, your best, uh, like one of your best quotes from the the Five Feet Apart review because it's like Five Feet Apart is basically the bloodless horror movie flick nobody asked for. So like it perfectly, like that's that is now the brand for that review. Is that a you? No, they didn't. Thank God. Can you imagine? Oh, Although man. to be fair, your review made me see the movie. So. I, know, I, was, I thought actually I wasn't. I didn't slam it. I didn't yeah. say fuck the movie. <laughs> um, so a few a few stray thoughts from me. Um, these kids almost never fucking text. Uh, I get that they need to FaceTime because it's more visually interesting, but it's 2019. Who FaceTimes with someone one room apart from each other for like nine hours a day? Yeah, like you're in a hospital. Also, like you're like. I don't want people looking at my face, like, in public, let yeah. alone when I'm, like, hooked up to stuff in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, and, let me FaceTime. And they, they also said, to begin with, that she was in there for a sore throat, which never comes into play um, in terms of she can just talk a blue streak. Um, yeah. So uh, the beginning uh, YouTube footage montage, um, only other movie I've seen that start or I haven't even seen, but seen clips of that started with that was Gem and the Holograms. So this movie's in good company. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, j- just in terms of when I was talking about th- this director having some questionable taste, the movie then ends again with YouTube footage montage, but now it shows clips of Cole Sprouse, I guess implying that he dies? It's sort of vague, right? Like, So, yeah, we are left not knowing exactly what happened. So, it, the, the end sentiment is, like, I never knew how, long, how hard it would be to want someone when you couldn't touch them until you wanted to touch them or some weird thing like that. But yeah, like it's a bunch of sad pictures of him and you're left wondering if you know, the drug trial didn't work, which means if he can't get rid of that particular type of bacteria he had, he can never have any surgeries. So it's like his timeline is shorter than hers, but it never actually says he died or she died. It's just the kind of you're understood that like she had, she will likely have outlived him. Yeah. And it's okay. It's that's which, weird that they don't. Uh, okay, so they get I back mean, together. That is not the no, weirdest thing that he happened. Never, he never he never sees her again because he breaks up with her via Christmas lights. Um, Ooh, but that is yeah because yeah. he can't be it, he now that she's got new lungs he doesn't want to run the risk of infecting her and he knows he can't be near her without getting too near her so he makes her these these lights and yeah. then walks away because now that maybe, now that he maybe gave you could her, have wrote mouth... her a nice letter like maybe you could have wrote her a letter that happens like he drew her some cartoons yeah yeah, now, okay. now, now that he gave her mouth to mouth, I guess it's just like, he's like, now that I've tasted those lips. Yeah, I'm, but but it is like, that is the most realistic thing in the entire movie is the fact that teenagers just are really bad at knowing what's good for them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's true. That's um, true. They have zero self-control. So, so let's, <laughs> that's let's get, it was weird that I believe the movie ends with literally her exact same dialogue as, as the beginning, which could have been really smart and cool, but instead made me feel like I was listening to, like, a song reprise in a musical, 
And yeah. I felt like they didn't have the dialogue be well enough written that I wanted to hear it twice. And it more, yeah. like you said, just made me, it could have been a very interesting open-end ending. Like, I don't mind open-ended endings in movies. Like, I like the fucking ending of Inception. But this more just made me be like, yeah, like, you know, it was like the ending of The Color of Money with Paul Newman, where I'm just like, your whole movie built up to whether or not they win this game of pool. Just show me the fucking game of pool, guys. Like, Yeah, like watching that last, because it really is, it's almost, I think they include more shots of Cole Sprouse in it, but it is almost an exact reprisal of the opening of the film. Yeah, and, and you kind of, you get to it, you've been through all of this and you get to it and you're like, so literally I could have just watched the first minute of the movie and yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I got the entire yeah. message yeah. and almost all of the footage necessary in that. Yeah. The only difference is that like when you rewatch it, you now know who the characters are. Cause in the beginning, it yeah. seems like it's almost like a, a, a montage of random characters. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, you're like, okay, that's Poe. That's her as a little yeah. girl. That's, you know where the footage is coming from. Yeah. But the dialogue is all the same. You're just like, I... Exactly. Nothing, nothing matters. Yeah. Like, nothing that happened matters. We are literally back at the beginning. Wow. (laughs) That's what really bothered me was that the dialogue was exactly the same. I wanted it to be the same dialogue so that we got, oh, look, it's almost the same footage, like you said, because I like that they had a little more footage. But then I wanted, like, one more sentence to be like, here's the thing I learned. But it's like, no, it was very fatalistic. It was, which, yet again, I don't mind, but it's... That actually goes back to the George C. Scott movie, The Hospital, where the point was everything is fucked and nothing matters, you know? Yeah, which is essentially like what his character. So that's one of the things is like his character is very fatalistic the entire time. And he says these like really dumb lines about how like, um, oh, what was some of it? It was like. It seems like that's the opposite. Nothing nothing is going to save our lives and all these like very like super set. One of the things was um, it's just life. It'll be over before you know it. And like this is the kind of shit that he says. And she's all like, we have to fight for, I don't know, like our families or like, you know, we have to keep trying. Our right to party. I mean, it's like, it's literally like she wants to live and she's willing to do everything. And he is kind of like, what's the point? And then you get to the end and it's like. She has sort of come around to his way of thinking where she's kind of now like that's why she like closes that distance between them. And she's sort of like, there is no point in living unless I'm actually living. And he's the one that's like, no, your existence is more important. So, like, I will walk away because I want to make sure that you live like it's like all of it. You're just sitting here going, so wait. Does anything matter yeah, or does it yeah. not? I still don't know. So I, I, <laughs> I, feel like, I, I feel like there should definitely be a more responsible balance between the two, right? Because like especially one, yeah. again, this is going to be watched by a lot of people who have cystic fibrosis. And if you make a nihilistic picture and this is the <laughs> only representation this group of people has, uh, it feels a little shitty, right? Because like that feels like his nihilistic point of view, the man's, sounds right. like how the writer internalized his depression after losing a friend or something like that. Like it Good just, point. it just, it doesn't yeah. sound like, it does not sound like, do they sound like teenagers? That's a that's a big thing that like the this uh, YA has a difficult time with because like often characters sound like they're adults. Uh, they sounded fairly young. I mean, I, I once any I, once anyone is live streaming on YouTube, I assume they're a minor. <laughs> like, I like who the fuck does that? They're dabbing well, okay, one... and like uh, you know, uh, yeah. Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing that was weird to me, and this actually wasn't a dialogue issue, was when she says fucking when they get they use the one F bomb they're allowed to use in a PG thirteen movie, she said that so awkwardly. My notes were like, This actress has never sworn before in her life. 
Which is weird, because, like, teenagers swear all the time. So yeah. I didn't get why that felt so unnatural. I don't know if it was a directing choice or if it was the way the script chose to use that or if she overacted it. But I was just like, why is this the most unnatural? Because when you, when you said, yeah, the dialogue... There, some of Cole Sprouse's lines, like you said, were so over the top. And he did, like, actually, it reminded me of Topher Grace on that 70s show, where there would be really cheesy lines, and Topher Grace would really underplay them, and that would be what sold the line. Yeah. Like, um, that was the thing. Like, his, when you actually, like, thought about anything that his character said, you're like, oh my god, the writing is terrible. But then he, he like, sold it without making you want to punch him. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I really was like, your character, despite saying things like this, isn't horrible. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See, that's that's impre- that's new acting heights to yeah. uh, Mr. Sprout. I'm just saying this this movie watch... deserves to be highest rated on his yeah, on his. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was gonna say that's fair because if you watch Riverdale for like more than ten minutes, you probably want to steal Jughead's lunch money. He's like a character <laughs> who you just like who you can see someone just walking by, like pushing him in a locker, taking his lunch money, and be like. <laughs> Get out of here, nerd. Because yeah. he's just like, all, yeah, he's always just sad about things. And he's always yeah. just like, and this is the true crime book I'm trying to write. Uh, Riverdale yeah. is a disease and crime is the cure. Some <laughs> stupid stuff. I don't know. Like, he's just being Jughead. He doesn't eat burgers. He eats burgers once, like, which is what? the entire character of Jughead. Like, Jughead's character. He doesn't wear a crown either, does he? He has, like, a dumb beanie that has a crown. Like, it's pretty oh. dumb. It's pretty dumb. It's like some crown beanie. I don't know. I mean, I, a teenager wearing a beanie probably will get shoved yeah. into a <laughs> <laughs> be like A kid wearing a crown would be fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then for a while, he's living in a broom closet at the school, you know. Jughead's got some things going on. It's okay. He's Is doing he good now. A drug dealer or something? Isn't there some like gang in town? Yeah. Well, yeah, the serpents. So the serpents uh, involve his father, who is played by Skeet Ulrich, uh, <laughs> and uh, he eventually joins the gang so he can live in the trailer park. So he no longer lives what? in the home. But you know, right now he's trapped in like a life or death D and D game, and uh, all of sex, all of sex on the show happens in a bunker. Like, is it a specific sex bunker? Or is it just that they happen to have sex in it's, a bunker? It's become a sex bunker because okay. uh, there was a there's a point where like uh, one character goes to it and is like, "You can have the bunker for tonight, but be aware, lots of people have been having sex on that bunker." Bye. <laughs> and you're like, "What? That's, did somebody listen to my podcast to listen to me like freak out about this for like thirty minutes?" Like, <laughs> go back to this life and death D and D game. Like, is that oh, like are okay. you serious? Oh, I'm serious because it's literally like so everything you think the satanic panic was in like the 80s right. where they're like D&D is corrupting your kids it's making yeah. them kill. This happens in Riverdale. They're playing goblins and gar- is it gar- goblins and gargoyles. gargoyles. Griffins, sorry, griffins and gargoyles and there is the leader is called the Gargoyle King and he's got like this ridiculous get up and they keep unmasking different people as the Gargoyle King <laughs> but it's not the Gargoyle but King. But we still don't know. We still don't know and it's like are all these kids just tripping or like why are they drinking this blue juice that is cyanide and killing them and uh why yeah 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 but but it's, like is there a dungeon master like i don't know there's just, lots well, of different so there people uh, there's 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 different sects that are de- being dm'd by different characters so it starts out with barb from stranger things she's part of a sect where she is a princess they write barb from stranger things so bad on riverdale but mm-hmm. she is part of a, a sec oh it's sad it's sad yeah. because i lo- i actually love the character her name is yeah. Ethel muggs they call her 
on the show. Her name is Ethel Muggs, and you're like, oh, poor Ethel. And they keep almost doing nice things for Ethel and then just poo-pooing all over her. Yeah, the show hates Ethel. Sad. It's the worst. And I love Ethel, so every time the show does like, Ethel bad, her. I get like, like, no, it, it, that, but, She is the nerd they shove into lockers, unfortunately. She is. Yeah. She is, unfortunately. But it's the <laughs> and writers. And you're like, Jughead's just, right there. Jughead's <laughs> right there, writers. Show the hand. But, I, okay, I so she gets involved. About the, about the the D&D uh, Dungeon Masters, at one point, Jughead appears to um, be able to have, like, visions by being a dungeon master. He's describing oh, yeah. Archie's actual escape from prison by playing a game of D&D, where he, he can tell, like, what's going on with Archie's real-life prison escape through his d <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Archie escapes from prison? Yes. Well, yeah, because yes. Archie becomes, like, an alt-right mafioso for a season, and then he gets, uh, uh, <laughs> he gets caught up, and he gets arrested because he's framed for murder, and he gets sent to this evil juvie hall, which makes him like fight at this like abandoned uh school that has like a it's an abandoned gymnasium that has like a a a pool an empty pool and a bunch of like old mats on it and they are you sure are you sure it wasn't a hospital (laughs) (laughs) they're like all right hospital all right we're closing it up got a pool (laughs) or they're like we had to close the hospital due to a pair of teens with cystic fibrosis swimming in it and no longer <laughs> being able to use for any of our patients. Right. So now we have emptied out the water and have a fight ring. Yes. Um, Speaking of dumb shit in the uh, Five Feet Apart movie, let's go back to, uh, Tori, do you want to describe the fucking, like, Swarsky crystalline shit that they use at their dinner? Like, oh, okay. So here's so that big dinner that we had. So um, it is Cole Sprouse's 18th birthday. And as a surprise, um, Haley Lou Richardson's character, uh, Stella, um, invites his group of friends, her two friends for no reason. Um, like, it's like, we're going to invite a bunch of people who, but like, none of them have ever really met. Yeah, um, and then, literally and never met her two friends. You know how, like, when you're having a birthday party for someone and you just invite, like, people that you like that your friends never fucking met? Have never met? Because, yeah, you know, that's what you do. And then now you're – so it's a bigger dinner party, I guess. And <laughs> and then Poe is invited, but he has to cook. Um, and apparently – yeah, so Poe cooks. Um, and, and, and bear this, in like, mind, remember the whole the thing about being super, being super infectious? And so like, one of the guys who's super fucking infectious is cooking for two other infectious. I mean, like he's all in, but it's it's a little weird. And he's making he's making like radish roses and shit, or like you know cucumber flowers, and you're just like what? So apparently in the hospital, and so their their justification for this is I guess whenever they have donors or like like really expensive not blood donors but like money donors, like or like fancy guests, the hospital has this like. A supply of fancier food and dinnerware, which, but like, including lobsters, which lobsters are not something that you just keep lying around for <laughs> your rich person shows up. Are, are we sure that the pool, are we sure that the pool was not actually a lobster tank? <laughs> and they were just swimming where they kept all the lobsters. Like, if this movie included a scene where Cole Sprouse goes full-on Venom in a lobster tank, I would have been fine. I would have been fine. Everything would have been okay. Um, that would have been the least ridiculous thing about this movie. Um, but no, so yeah, so so Poe makes this whole dinner, and it is it is fancy, like, crystal wine glasses. Oh, also, if you're taking a bunch of presumably antibiotics, since the whole problem is that, oh, like, right? Yeah. Um, champagne. 
Um, so they break into this hospital's supply of fine crystal and, and leftover lobsters to cook and have this amazing meal by candlelight with a cake. And literally, like, they go to blow out the candles and Cole Sprouse is like, I can't blow them out or no one would be able to eat it because his lungs are filled with bacteria. <laughs> so not CF people has to blow out the candles for him. Yeah. And, and then the next day... Poe dies, and you are sitting there. No, not even the next day. Like, five seconds later. (laughs) Like, the next morning. It's like, this happens at night. They all get busted by the nurse. They go back, and then first thing in the morning, he, like, is collapsed and dies. And here's the problem. No, no, yet again, not to correct you, but you're making this make too much sense, because this is all, it's, they, they go back upstairs, and then it's not a dissolve. It's, he dies, they go outside, they find out that there's lungs available for her, and they do the surgery all in the same night. Yeah, this is all like, well, no, no, no. It's a day. Because it's like the there, it was one night was a birthday party. He dies the next morning. She, like, goes through grief, runs away. They go on the walk. It's like this stretch, but it is within hours. And the death, here's the other thing. They act like, oh, well, you know, that's the problem with CF. People just, like, might fall over at any point. Like, at no point does anyone stop and go, gee, maybe you shouldn't have let him drink alcohol in this. <laughs> Big birthday party. Or, or like, make him slave away in a hot kitchen for hours. Making lobster for, like, eight people. Like, like the idea that, like, he just happened to fall over and die right after having done this giant birthday to-do. Damn. No. Yeah. No. Damn. Yeah. Well. Poe also well. rides around in the hospital on his longboard at all times, and no one cares. He- See, yeah. I was going to make a joke about one of them has to be on a skateboard at all times, but I thought that would be a little outside of my era. Like, I thought that was just like a, a thing that happened in the 80s and 90s and nobody skateboards anymore. But no, I apparently, they, apparently they old old white screenwriters still think they do. They're like, yeah. oh, they just dab and they play Fortnite on their phones while streaming <laughs> to YouTube and skateboarding. Kickflip, oh. kickflip lobsters. Lobsters, yeah. <laughs> so so we, we have now established that this hospital has a very nice pool that is accessible to anyone, a uh, very nice hidden supply of kitchen stuff that is accessible to, I guess, teenagers in the middle of the night if they're, if they're hungry. Including fucking um, Don Perignon. <laughs> yeah, like champagne pain and lobster and whatever else they had. I'm assuming there were like fucking oysters and shit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then there's... Why were there candles? Like, isn't that the least likely thing you'd have in a hospital? Is like, hey, yeah. let's burn oh, this yeah, hospital no, there were down. Sticks, and there were balloons everywhere. Like, he... Oh, so this is the other thing. For him to get there, he has to follow a scavenger hunt of balloons with notes in them. So it's Cole's Rouse walking around a hospital. Like, they leave a balloon in the, in the NICU or whatever, like where the babies are. And he has to, like, pound on the glass, and the nurse has to bring in the balloon. So he's popping balloons very loudly all throughout the hospital to find where the dinner is. And this is happening in the middle of the night. Is this all- actually just uh, talking about how broken American health system is? <laughs> because the idea that you get a large donor, and instead of, uh, I don't know, helping people out who can't afford their medical you bills, lobster. you buy lobster and, uh, I don't know, nice glasses. Wait, wait. Uh, no, here's the other thing. You don't buy lobster. You keep lobster <laughs> waiting for the person, because apparently these lobsters are just hanging out in the hospital. <laughs> Do they literally murder the lobster? Do we have to hear the lobster scream? Like, when that, that's kind of dark. I wish. I mean, you could. Like, you've got all that little, whatever, hear headset thingies. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that I would forgot. have made even that would have made I guess slightly more sense if there was a live tank. But no, they just have lobsters there, like you said, as if lobsters are a thing that keeps forever. Um, yeah. The other thing that pissed me off about this scene was that the way she sets this up as a surprise is Cole Sprouse already had his friends coming over, so she gets his friends to not come over, makes Cole Sprouse think no one loves him <laughs> all day. <laughs> So she's she like, I can't her. see you. The friends can't come. Yeah. He's like all depressed. <laughs> Mind you, this is a guy who had already like basically lost his will to live. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of will to live, let's go back to when she decides that she doesn't want her donor lungs because, like you said, she has no will to live anymore, and she'd rather spend twenty minutes ice skating than live for five more years. Yeah. So, so she has now fallen completely into Cole Sprouse's way. So, so her, so Poe dies, and she goes into a tailspin of what have I been doing? I've just been struggling to survive, and none of it matters because I could die at any time. You know, if you've been drinking champagne and eating lobster in the middle of the night when you're not supposed to. But <laughs> anyway. Wait. So she has had champagne and she falls into a river at like a oh, freezing cold temperature. It's fine. It's fine. No, yeah, yeah. Not. So she did. So, like, so she, so she goes through this whole thing where she suddenly like, you know, there is no point to anything. And she's kind of fallen into Cole Sprouse's way of thinking. So she's going to go on. She's just like, I'm going to leave the hospital. Gets convinces him to come with her. They go. It's snowing. It's the middle of the night. They're walking through a park to go see the lights. Um, and she gets a text. So the donor lungs, there has been an accident in another state where a teenager who fits her specs dies and has perfectly good lungs. So the hospital is texting her because they've realized at this point that she's not there. Um, and they're like, we've got lungs. You have to come back. They'll be here in three hours. We need to prep you for surgery. And she just doesn't tell Cole Sprouse. So because she decides, like, those lungs are only going to buy me a finite amount of time. What's the to enjoy my time with this person and that involves boot skating on a pump <laughs> so wait, which is so, which is also realistic because i have boot skated and it is a hell of a lot of fun <laughs> so okay I never fell through <laughs> i feel like there's so much extra uh things here that makes that surgery even more improbable the idea i had no idea she would have had alcohol in her system she would have just been in like because if you said three hours they when the lungs get there they immediately operate i'm guessing or yeah, yeah so that like they're getting pushed in in like a plastic case she the alcohol was probably no longer in her system but because it like a, enough time had passed by that point but you're still dealing with she's going from birthday party dead friend walk in the park lying to her boyfriend about the fact that she could get lungs because she just doesn't want to go back and deal with it then he gets texts from i think his mom because at this point they've rounded up all the parents to be like what the fuck these two teenagers are missing we need to get them so he's looking on his phone which going, they only like, notice after she has lungs available because yeah. apparently this hospital just never checks to see if patients are in their rooms they never they don't have any monitors hooked up to patients to make sure they're alive <laughs> Yeah. Nope, they're teenagers. They're just allowed to wander around carrying <laughs> pool cues and going to the pool. Like, I mean, it's like a fucking resort, apparently. Wait, do you think except they, for the mucus. Do you think they thought of going to the pool because they were holding a pool cue? Yes, I think that is exactly the leap of logic this movie would make. <laughs> I just like the idea that it's like they put like a bunch of words on like a dartboard and they're just like, for the writing process, they just like, all right, long things for distance measuring. Pool. Pool cue. Pool. Pool in hospital. Swim. 
They go swimming. <laughs> then like, she drowns. Like, it, but not oh, in the pool. Oh my pool, god! Do you think we'll have like more water? Oh no! Yeah. Do you think that was it? They were like, and they have a time where they go in the water, and it's nice in the the happy part of the second act. But then in the tragic part, they go in the water, and it's sad. Yeah, we we really the thing that really needs to be paid off is the idea of this character improbably drowning. Oh, we god. need to tease it in one scene and then pay it off later. Oh, and her sister. <laughs> broke her neck in water i am really starting to worry this was a deep metaphor yeah no they really wanted us to pick up on this well because you know well, there's deep yes. water deep metaphors it works <laughs> oh my god yeah so she so she falls through the ice and he has to give her mouth to mouth and then i legit thought that he died because, like, there's a scene where she opens her eyes on the ice and there's, like, the ambulances are coming because he, at this point, has texted their location. And, but he's not moving. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, shit. He, like, literally gave her his last breath to save yeah. her so she could get the lungs. That was how I thought the movie was ending. Yeah. Like, and and they, would... I'm sorry. Um, no, and no, they, they do a, a, a very misleading uh, camera focus where it's it's focused on him. She starts breathing, and then they kind of do a back focus on him to show that he is not moving. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they really they really are, like, going to pains to make you think that he gave his last breath to her to keep her alive long enough for the surgery, and then he would have, like, sacrificed himself. Because he, like, he's the one who, this drug trial, he's already infected with something pretty bad. Like, it's not... He has He's cooties. Not doing great. And probably hiking around in the winter and then taking a swim is not good for your lungs that are filled with bacteria. So um but no, they both get rushed to the hospital. They manage to to revive him. And here is the best part. So they, they rush them to the hospital and you're you're left to imagine that it's an emergency room, except that they both get wheeled in together. She's gotta go into surgery and he's just <laughs> like getting woken up next to her. And you're still, and I'm like not actually sure that their beds were six feet apart. <laughs> like, there's a lot going on. So, but, but like they could have ended the movie with him dying and like that could have actually been the thing. No, no, no. They wake him up so he can do the light display yeah, and yeah. leave her. <laughs> so, wow. so bear in mind, they okay. also let him go outside and do his whole stupid light display. What, After like, almost catching a hypothermia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, wow. They wheeled so, him in with oxygen on and the full thing and they were just like yeah you're good go go play outside go play in the snow that's the new orleans snow so best movie of 2019 so far yeah this and then captain marvel right below it yeah yeah i mean you know captain marvel was just kind of a shit show compared to this like what even was the message (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah there were no cats in this movie Correct. No cat. Uh, but honestly, if the hospital had a cat, I wouldn't be surprised. They're like, "Oh, you might be allergic. Whatever. That's just our hospital cat. It goes in the uh, hospital yeah. pool. You know, it's not even a cat. It's a florkin. Don't worry about it's it. A- Don't worry about it. That's where it's that. Actually, that's it's where- like a lobster on a leash. <laughs> it's our emotional support lobsters that we only eat when rich people come. Oh my god, that is the darkest thing. And the lobster used to be Colin Farrell, and then it all it all works. It all comes back around. All, it all comes back around. The full full scope of everything. Yeah. Uh, wow. So uh, I guess we've seemed to have gone through the entire plot at this yes. point, and it sounds batshit insane. Yeah. Uh, we're, at, we're at exactly the runtime of the movie, so it's probably a good place to stop. <laughs> yeah, it's so long. 
That sounds like that sounds like a good place to feel like we've we've just you've lived the movie now. Yeah. With, you've lived the movie with random scenes that just start playing scenes from Riverdale. It's like you you've had the movie experience except Poe has just described Riverdale plots in between where he's supposed to have character development. Right. And like those are the deleted scenes, it's just him losing his mind about Riverdale. So uh, I think you I think you've experienced the entirety of five feet apart. Yeah, if you are uh, baffled right now, then you have experienced the feeling of actually watching it. Yes. <laughs> I, I honestly uh, think you describing it makes a lot more sense than this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. Like I definitely walked out and I was like, I don't like I know that things happen, but it wasn't until you actually try to piece it together that it both makes less sense and you start to see, like, I think this is what they were going for, and that's why it's so wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a terrible down. romance. Yeah. That's, that's kind of amazing. Um, so I guess, well, final thoughts, Thor. Do you have any final thoughts? So I, as I said, uh, Cole was very good in this. I, I liked his his underacting, and I, I think the the difference between his underacting and this, I, I was trying to think of how to describe to to Tori that hadn't watched him on Riverdale. So picture if Cole, instead of reasonably delivering his lines, if he did every single one of his lines with the emphasis of Humphrey Bogart telling Ingrid Bourbon to get on that plane, and that's what he does in Riverdale. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> I need to watch Riverdale. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you do. I feel, well, like, I feel like, like that. Do. I feel like that's the actual takeaway of this. Well, no, no, no. Riverdale. You shouldn't watch the whole show, but I think just that episode that where uh, he straight up becomes a detective. Uh, uh, Andrew, do you remember what episode number that is this season where he's like uh, fucking? Wait, he does like film noir. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, but like terrible. It's like, it's like dime store film noir. Like yeah. it's just like, it's it's not even like worthy of like the dime store detective novels that you yeah. would literally pay a dime for. Yeah. Uh, it's like penny noir. Yeah. I don't know penny noir, <laughs> and uh, it's basically him trying to figure out uh, who shot somebody. Uh, and just okay. going through the works and interviewing people, finding out that characters we thought were dead were still alive and they're having affairs. Like it's, yeah. it's basically like but, Riverdale is like a soap opera, but like without any of the cleansing ideals that soap, <laughs> the word soap would involve. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. probably the best description so, for Riverdale. I always pictured, I always thought that wasn't Cole Sprouse's character essentially supposed to be like Gossip Girl? Like, you know, like in the show Gossip Girl, how there was this oh. person in the background writing online and talking and like uncovering everyone's secrets. And it was like this character. And you, kind you eventually, is that not of, Sprouse, you, except he's more he, involved he's, in the actual. He's only writing a novel that no one else can read for a while. They kind of diss <laughs> it now, but like he's literally trying to be Truman Capote. Like they make in, in cold blood references. Like a whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to write a book about this murder that's happened, but he's also playing into the murder and all the love triangles. They don't, there's not really love triangles in the show, which is one of the big, the big problems with like Riverdale is that characters they just swap partner. Off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, so they just like partner swap. It's like yeah. a key yeah, party. A, a key, like, <laughs> anyone, anyone actually having something that requires yeah. a key. They just have a bunker. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the no, bunker uh, parties. Veronica um, literally but, walks in in a in the full hat with like the lace coming over her eyes, and he has a line about like when that dame walked in, I knew it was going to be trouble. <laughs> like, no! Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, so again, this is what this podcast is. We can talk about Riverdale all day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
to end out the episode, uh, Tori, uh, do you have any final thoughts on the movie? And uh, where would you like people to read your further writing and uh, expertise? Oh, um, well, further thoughts on the movie is, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like we've said everything we can. I Watch it and decide for yourselves, but I would, I would love to see what other people think. And I do think that... Uh, for especially for people who do have cystic fibrosis, I would be interested to hear more about like their whether the film does a good job or not because it's it's I think it tries. I give it that much. Um, okay. As as for me, um, you can check us out on pajiba.com. Um, I am on there. Um, you can pronounce it however you want. I won't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I won't judge. But uh, yes. P-A-J-I-B-A. BA.com. <laughs> we'll, we'll be sure to link link your uh, entire writing profile in oh, God. Uh, show notes as well. Just so they I'm can, sorry, they most can of my writing is me yelling about Supernatural. I apologize in advance. <laughs> I Never mean, clearly this show, this show has nothing to... Uh, uh, there's no way this show could throw any shade at that because literally the entire show is me screaming about the TV show Riverdale and having to have an outlet so that my neighbors would no longer get mad about me yelling like, at the TV. Screaming about... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I was so close to just like hijacking this entire thing and talking about the Winchesters, but you know, I tried to, I tried to keep it focused. Oh, we can have a Winchester special. Teenagers. I feel like, I feel like we should have an episode where we try to determine which show is crazier and have like a supernatural versus Riverdale off and just like just spout like random things that have happened, like how many ca- times a character oh, has it. died or, <laughs> or when they appeared on Scooby Doo or like anything like that, right? Like there's, I think that would be fun. CSI Miami one where they just keep putting sunglasses on and taking them off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, But, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you, Tori, for joining us. And uh, And this was a lot of fun. Yeah, this is very fun. And this has been... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the real question is, are you going to watch the movie now? Home video, home video. I'll watch it. I'm not gonna go to the theaters to see it, but I will. I probably will put this on at home video because it sounds like something I need to watch just to have like an episode of me reporting. Like, so I watched the movie. What the hell? And, and he means only if they literally release it on VHS. Yeah, <laughs> they have to send me a VHS. Somebody has to get the movie, put it on VHS, and then send it to me. And I'm like. Okay, I guess. I have to do it now. I have to do it now. Are going to get one of those TVs from the 90s that has the Mickey ears as the speakers? Oh, God. Get on old CRT. CRT <laughs> up in here. Uh, ain't no T like the CRT. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess before... <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, thank you all for joining us on this adventure of Five Feet Apart. Uh, I hope you listened a little closer than five feet, or else you may have missed a lot of the things we had to say. Uh, although some of us were pretty loud so and stupid. pretty animated. <laughs> I hope you brought your pool cue so you could be the appropriate distance from the speaker while listening. <laughs> I feel like this really should have ended with one of us measuring a pool cue. <laughs> if, that, if that shit is only four and a half feet long, I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna Google this. <laughs> well, I think they're different sizes. Like, when you go to yeah. bars, they're different sizes, depending on... Because people are yeah. different sizes. 
<laughs> okay, okay, let's look at this. Uh, okay. What? Some pool cues are six inches. Liars, you are six inches apart the whole time. Uh, the, only, the only pool cues that are actually, like, under six inches are the ones for children. Wait, six or, feet, or I think six, you mean, not six inches. Feet? Oh, yeah, whoops, sorry, I'm looking at inches. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, what's inches to feet? I forget. Oh, are you looking at meters? Wait, what, are, you're Canadian, what is it up there? Is it, uh, Deutschmarks? <laughs> It's all in the euro. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, it looks like um, as long as they're not taller than... Oh, wait, no, adults. Yeah, so most adult pool cues are uh, 5.8 feet. So yeah, Almost six feet. Yeah. yeah, so almost six feet. So, like, I guess 5.8 meters apart. Feet apart, sorry. Yeah, so Whatever. they were almost six feet apart. The fucking liars. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, let's just cancel this movie. I yeah, mean, what the hell? This movie is canceled. Forget about realism on the disease. Like, where they can't even get distance right. False advertising, and uh, this is the kind of entertainment you can only get on the podcast formerly known as Archie Fox, now known as Milkshakes and Mimosa. Thank you for joining us, and have... A wonderful day. <laughs> this has been a Milkshake and Mimosas production. Email us at milkshakesandmimosas at gmail.com. That and is spelled A-N-D. It's the full word. And follow us on Twitter at M ampersand M podcast. And until next time, trash fires gonna burn.